Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Regular listeners hear me every day reminding you that we're not an investment podcast and that you should get professional advice before making investment decisions. So it's no surprise when we say we're big believers in the importance of good financial advice. It's a view clearly shared by today's guest. Hub24 provides technology and administration tools for financial advisors, a sector that's undergone a huge amount of change in recent years. In the last decade, the company's share price has gone from less than a dollar to about $25, giving it a market cap of around $2 billion, one of the success stories over the last decade on the ASX. Yesterday, Hub24 announced a net profit after tax of nearly $15 million for the year ended June 30. That's up about 50% on the previous year. Andrew Olcock is the Managing Director of Hub24 and my guest this morning. Andrew, welcome to Fear and Greed. Good to be here, Sean. Thank you. So, but I don't, I mean, we'll go through your results slightly, but really just tell me first exactly what Hub24 does. Oh, we are largely a investment platform business, although we've got some more strings to our bow. So we absolutely help uh, financial advisors uh, help their clients empower better financial futures. So by that, we, we, if you think about a supermarket, we have lots of product on the shelf. We provide a platform or the infrastructure for advisors to pick the right investment products for their customers. So think about it being, you know, either a large super fund or an investment supermarket where there can be thousands of different products that that might be used in certain combinations for a client by a financial advisor to help them with their own personal circumstances or their own preferences with investing. It might be ESG type preferences. So we provide that access to those products. We wrap them up for you. We manage the portfolio reporting, the trading. We hold them in custody for you and we give you your tax report at the end of the year. So the way I like to think of it, it's, it's kind of like the black box that you don't think about until you actually have to do it. And it's kind of all the hard stuff in the middle. So you might say, I want to buy a bond. I want to buy Microsoft on Wall Street. I want to buy a local company. I want to buy an alternate. I want to go to a fund. How do you do it? And that's kind of the stuff that you do and then report back to the client on how it's, how it's performing. Absolutely. We bring it all together and make it easy. Otherwise, you'd be out there transacting with multiple different entities all the time. With us, you could just go on and, and, and purchase and sell, and it all is integrated and brought together in one overall service, which is really about creating efficiency for the end customer or investor, but also for the advisor, because you want them spending time thinking about your needs and how they're going to help you achieve your needs, rather than doing a whole lot of administration, which isn't adding value. Okay, so we're going to get onto that in a moment. Just quickly on your actual result, a, a good, a great jump in, in net profit, and that's despite the downturn in financial markets. The thing that I really noticed, your funds under administration raised 12%, but given, I presume, your investment performance was negative because everyone else's was negative, that flow of funds is great. Yeah, it is a great result. And look, in effect, in FY22, uh, putting it this way, you know, let's, let's just say we have $50 billion roughly of funds under administration in the custodial platforms. In the first half, investment returns for the portfolio, if you like, were up about $2 billion. So we had a positive market movement of $2 billion to 31 December. But by 30 June, we had a net negative 3.5. So that was like $5.4 billion out or backwards in performance. But then when you sit there and say, oh, but hey, Andrew, you're up 12%. Well, you add 5.4 to that, it's a great result. And it's largely because of, uh, you know, the way we think about our customers and the position this market's in. We, we are a, a market leader now with a lot of the instos moving out. So you're right, negative market returns. However, we've put on some great growth. Stay with me, Andrew. We'll be back in a minute. 
My guest this morning is Andrew Alcock, Managing Director of Hub24. Okay, so you talk about Instos moving out. Mostly the banks, they're leaving the wealth management area broadly. Is that a good or a bad thing? Uh, well, some have left already. Yep. I think there are good and bad things to that. I think that we're in an era where technology and customer focus and open architecture is king in terms of consumer sentiment. So we have these large wealth players trying to offer integrated or vertically integrated products to their customers in a box. Hub24 has been about, well, let's offer you the best the best cash product, the best invest product, best products, and you pick, pick them yourself. So that's been good for consumers and prices have largely halved over the last decade for platforms as well. So the results of the shift has been good. The banks are concentrating on banking largely with several of them having already exited wealth and some talking about it still. So the negative side about that is whilst the consumer proposition is far better and less conflicted, the negative side of that is that there's less advisors in the marketplace because banks were, you know, a large employer or, or, you know, grower of financial advisors with a lot of bank-based products. That part of the market has shifted. So there's less availability of advice. That's an outcome that I hope we as an industry can fix because the demand is skyrocketing. Yeah, so we, we are great believers on fear and greed of getting professional advice because I don't, there's no way, I mean, I do this every day and there's no way I can beat a professional investor. I just don't think that's right. And 50% of the people win, 50% of the people lose. So all these other things like diversification, all that, they all really matter. What I wonder about though is for someone, unless you really, you don't have to be a high net worth individual, but you know, reasonably wealthy, a fair bit to invest, it's actually quite expensive to use a financial advisor. It is, uh, depending on how you view expensive. So if you look at it through the lens of value and the complexity and the benefits they can create or help you with, it might actually be cheap. But the sticker shock is there, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the averages from the survey from the FK is about $3,500. And I would say that's fairly cheap compared to where most of the market is. But if you're going on a journey for 20 or 30 years before you retire, imagine the benefits of saving or, or, or increasing or getting an extra five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars out of your portfolio in a year and capitalizing that over twenty years, it more than covers the cost that set people think is high. We pay for medical care, we pay for legal advice, we pay for accounting advice, we pay for health care, we pay insurance for our home and everything. But are we paying insurance for our you know our retirement? It might be well spent. It looks expensive, but the value can be incredibly beneficial. You're preaching to the converted here because I'm totally with you on that. Hub24 itself, though, you, you almost have a role in that because if you can make it easier for financial advisors and potentially cheaper for financial advisors to access all these different products, then that will pass through in potentially lower fees, notwithstanding the value, so I get that, but just the sticker shock to individual customers. You can, or, they can, or we can help build alternative models for advice as well. If we look backwards, I think we've actually already lowered the overall cost for consumers because we came to market with a very competitive platform price that did create efficiency for advisors. And so the total cost for a client, if you add not just the advice, but the platform and the investment fees is far less than it was a few years ago. So we've already had that impact with the industry. You're right. If we make it more efficient, advisors can spend more time with clients or spend less time doing admin, and hopefully that lowers the price or the cost to serve. That will also be a function of supply and demand. So whilst we can do that, I think that the the goal for the industry broader, Sean, and for government and regulators is to try and find a way of 
growing more advisors or finding other ways of delivering advice because the demand in itself could push the price up. So yes, we're bringing tech that hopefully will make it more efficient and that's absolutely part of our mission. And we sort of believe that, that you know, robotic or, or digital advice is a way of lowering cost and we're committed to working with people to do that. But we need to solve the, the demand and supply issue as well. What about SMSFs? Is that a growing area? And then I'm just interested in, in younger Australians, how they're managing their super. Hey, it's fascinating. The A few years ago, SMSFs were, I might say, on the nose, if you like. Yep. The mode out there or the view out there was they've been oversold, if you like, and I'd rather say, you know, they're advised, not sold, but oversold. And then you had views coming from the Hame Royal Commission or from ASIC saying that unless you've got half a million dollars in retirement, you really shouldn't have an SMSF because it's costing you too much. Well, that's a fairly blunt way of looking at it because it depends on who you are. Everyone's an individual. If you're the type of person who's going to want to have an investment property or some business assets through an SMSF or going to want more choice or flexibility in the future, and it might be in 10 or 20 years' time, let's not use those blunt measures because, you know, it can be difficult to transition at age 40 or age 50 if you're going to leave the super fund you're in because it suits you to have a self-managed super fund. You might crystallise some tax you wouldn't have crystallised if you were there in the mm. first place. So to solve the cost is an interesting thing, which is we're trying to do, but you are seeing an uptick. So the number of SMSFs dropped back over the last few years. You've started seeing an uptick and more of them being registered than shut down, and you're starting to see younger people engage with SMSFs, which is fascinating because we see that as as a goal for us having purchased Class, which is an SMSF software business. We want to build bundled products that make it easier and cheaper for younger people or lower balances to enter that market so they can secure choice and portability for the future. So for where Hub24 goes from here, is it being able to serve a more diverse group of customers, not just financial planners? The products we're issuing right now are still advised products. They are for advisors. But, you know, we never say never. We're, We're quite interested in how we can help in any way we can. We think there's far more unmet opportunity with financial advisors to help them grow their market, which is our core marketplace, But we've got solutions now. We've got thousands of customers who don't have advisors who use class through their accountant. You know, we'd love to help in that space as well. So in the short term, we're absolutely thinking about our current client base being serviced by advisors. But, um, you know, we're we're committed to, to helping as many Australians as we can. I've got to, I mean, ask a CEO of an ASX-listed company, and they never like to answer questions about share prices, but I talked about it in the introduction, but since sort of the beginning of the pandemic, your share price has tripled. I only found out today that we were listed. I didn't know. <laughs> what a great answer. <laughs> Somebody told me, and I feel like the media people have let me down. It's been going on for nine years. And as your investor relations people, never your media people. Hey, hey it's funny because as a CEO, I'll, I'll get a bit more personal here, you can't be distracted by that because that's a function of the market or how people value your future. So there's some, whilst there's science and there's subjectivity in it, but yes, yes, look, our share price has grown. Some would say we're undervalued. Some would say we're overvalued. We just focus on our strategy and the opportunity that's here. And we love doing what we're doing. And if we get it right for our customers and it's sustainable, well, hopefully, you know, the economics go up as well. And that's what we've done over the last few years. So it should look after itself, but there's been a phenomenal rise for which we're humbled and grateful. But, it, you know, we get out of bed in the mornings to do the job we want to do, which is filling this gap and empowering people with a better future. Well, there are plenty of shareholders who are grateful. Andrew, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you very much, Sean. 
That was Andrew Alcock, Managing Director of Hub24. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this information is general in nature and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.